Welcome to another week of the Soccer Thread Podcast. I'm the worst podcast host on this entire podcast, Colin Smith. Um, I'm joined today by Minneapolis's own uh, Mike Samerson, who's back in Minneapolis after a journey abroad that we will back. talk about later. Uh, we'll just bury that for now. But tell us about Minneapolis and your current status, not your past status. The, the best part about being the worst host on this podcast is that there's only one way to go. And that's up and or not going anywhere, which is also not bad. As someone who's been doing a lot of sitting recently uh, due to an, an Achilles injury, sitting, staying where you're at, it's not the worst thing in the world. I will say I'm glad there's no relegation in our podcast hosting rankings. Uh, that's you know, true. I would not want to end up hosting another lower level podcast. Yeah. I mean, Cliff and Keevan have been absolutely dominating uh, soccer, soccer Thread Podcasts uh, Division 2 but unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, we're a relegation-free. It's a closed system. It's very, uh, very American in that way. Uh, yeah. Minneapolis, you know. So I was I was abroad for for a few days. I was down in Mexico City, had a lovely time. Uh, we'll get onto that in a little bit. The thing about Mexico City uh, is that it is pretty uniformly the same temperature all year round, which is a lovely temperature. Uh, Minneapolis, not so much, but. The bright side is coming back. We had we've got a nice little taste of spring here. Uh, I'm on guard. I don't think this is a real real spring. I think this is a fake spring. But there's not a lot of snow. It was like 60 degrees today. Went on a few little bike rides. Uh, first bike rides of the year this weekend. Just just really lovely stuff. It's just you know it's it is very it's kind of the gray time of year, the gray brown time of year when there's just no snow and it's just nothing's growing yet. But you know. It's it's good. It's not quite Mexico City vibrant in terms of uh, warmth and colors, but we're getting there. Sounds awesome. Sounds awesome. I mean, Minneapolis sounds uh, like a normal city, but uh, I'm, I'm more excited to hear about Mexico City and its beautiful climate year-round. Um, I'm the only other person on this podcast right now. Dan may join us later. Uh, we'll see. You know, life is unpredictable. The future is uncertain. Uh, the swamp brings certainty. I'm here. I'm in the shed. Uh, the weather outside is terrible. Um, my it's house empty. is fa- falling apart, and it's going to cost me a lot of money to fix it. Ooh. You know, that's that's how it is. Uh, Kevin Sperry knows knows how it is to be a homeowner. Um, it's just it's painful mostly. Yeah. Um, but that's you know that's all my news of the week. People can people can uh, all relate to that unless they don't have a house. <laughs> true, true. And I mean, even if you don't have a house, your house, your you know apartment might be falling apart. You just yeah, that's true. Normally, don't have to pay for it. You yeah, either you just, move or you just live in a shitty apartment, or you have a good landlord. I mean, but that's rare. rare. That's a rare thing. It is possible. It uh, is te- it is technically possible to have a good landlord. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen one. It's kind of like the uh, what's the parable like? Uh, it's hard, easier to for uh, to squeeze a camel through the eye of a needle than get a rich man into heaven or something like that. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's technically possible. Technically possible to have a good it's landlord. A, it's but. some New Testament stuff that I never really learned on. Oh, it probably is. Probably I believe it. Probably Jesus Cristo who said that one. 
Yeah, bringing up, bringing that back. Um, all right, let's get on to some emails. This is your section. Okay, here we go. Uh, two emails from Pedro. Uh, the first, we're going to do this in, in reverse order because the first, he just sent us, uh, an article from the nutmeg news. Uh, and the headline of this article is Christian Pulisic and Matt Miaska announced the formation of an international branch of the Oath Keepers. And Pedro says, I found this online. Seems really suspect. I don't know why someone would write an article, including them. Uh, not sure if this is credible. Pedro, I just want to point out that under the Nutmeg News, and actually Colin pointed this out for me, but it says the Nutmeg News, satire, human, contemporary, contains no actual news. Uh, so, Pedro, I know you are, you know, a Gen Z or whatever the generation below the millennials are, and that we millennials do a very bad job of reading, uh, but you got God on this one. <laughs> the internet will do that to you. The internet will get you. Uh, there will be... A time when everyone gets got by the internet. Um, you just hope that you don't uh, let too many people know that you get got. Yeah, and, and honestly, got. you you played yourself. You let us know that you got got, which is which is right. on you. Yeah, I mean, as Colin said, the internet's going to get you, mm. but don't internet let remains, get got. The internet remains undefeated. <laughs> yeah, the internet is constantly defeating us one day at a time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Oh, oh, special guest. I didn't even start recording. I just got clapped in. It's the first time I've ever been clapped in. I don't know what's going on. Wait, this we have is... to clap you in again? Yeah, because I wasn't recording. <laughs> All right. Got Three, two, one. If you think I'm giving away ho- podcast hosting duties on this one, you've, uh, you've as, been hey, sorely as, mistaken. As a great and wise man once said, keep on rolling, baby. Yeah. Wow, strong arm. He's Mike's trying to to, to uh, as the only one of us who's played hockey. I think uh, Mike's trying to signal from the bench for me to come over, and I'm doing the hockey thing where you just ignore the bench. Yep. You just ignore the bench. I didn't see it, coach. I didn't see you it. You just keep skating. So no, skate up by Dan, Dan. Put this puck out of play. Didn't, uh, so we did the weather update. We did the shoveling chat. We did. Yep. I mean, what are we? Uh, what are we doing here, guys? I mean, we're pretty much we're up halfway into emails right now. Excellent, excellent. No, you haven't missed anything, Dan. How's the weather in Portland? Uh it's a pretty nice day. It was supposed to be rainy all weekend, and it turned out to only be like partially rainy all weekend. So I'll take it. Sounds like Portland. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Exactly. Well, welcome, Dan. It's it's great to have you. I'm just gonna. I'll you know. I'll just chill. I'll like. What not hopscotch, double dutch. I'll just I'll try to feel it. Okay, yep. you guys you guys move and I'll try to feel the yep. the rhythm. We're in rhythm right now, me and Colin. exactly We're wh- whipping exactly. around the jump ropes or whatever you call them. God, I'm so happy to be here. Uh, all right. Well, that's Dan. Uh, next email is awesome from Pedro. He sent us a link uh to Copa ninety on Instagram, where they have a way of measuring stadiums. Uh, this is focused on stadiums in England. And as far as I can tell, they have four categories. Stadium soul, home support, match day menu, which we know is near and dear to Dan's heart, and electricity, uh, which I feel like is a nice little wild card. Um, uh, that, does, that says eccentricity. Ah, there you go. Electricity, yes, no. We were just talking about how bad <laughs> Zero millennials and ones, are. baby. We were just talking about how bad millennials are at reading. So they were <laughs> true to form. Um, eccentricity. Okay, interesting. 
Uh, and right now, Crystal Palace is number one. Spurs are tied for first. Newcastle, Liverpool, United rounding out the top five. Uh, Portsmouth also in there with a shout from the lower divisions. Uh, Colin, how do you feel about these rankings, first of all, and what categories are missing? Um, how I feel about these rankings is that they were clearly made uh, top-down. And what I mean by that is that someone said, these are the best stadiums, or these are my favorites, and now let me mm. fill out this thing so that they add up so that these are, are the best. This, this is what so I want we, to So we had best. an answer, and then we just need to find the right question. Exactly, exactly. Because uh, there's some things here that just don't make any sense. Um, the home support at Everton is a two. Really? Like, I mean, I've obviously I'm a homer on this one. I'll acknowledge that. But I've been to a Blackburn game with you, Michael. Uh, how are they getting a four? How are they twice as good as the home support at Everton? I mean, I, I want to point out what Hender Kid said in the comments. Uh, yeah. He said, I, don't know. I get you got to go with the game is. you went to. But Everton's home support score would be a lot higher if you'd been there on Thursday night. And frankly, mm. who can argue with that? Who can argue with that? Midweek floodlights. Who, who can argue with that? The one that frankly, stuck out to me. That's a shambolic choice. Because like most of the ratings are like threes, fours, and fives. So to be given someone as a two is like, oh, this is really bad there. Everton's home support is really bad. Get the fuck out of here. Dan, what stood out to you? Tottenham getting a four for Stadium Soul. They're in a brand new stadium. What does Stadium exactly. Soul mean if that's, not like it's old? Yeah. So that's a clear example of what I was talking about in that they wanted to be like, oh, Tottenham, it's a good experience to go to a game there. But if I give them a low, anything lower than a four here, then they drop down and I don't want to drop them down. What is yeah. what is eccentricity mean? Because when I read it as electricity, that made a lot more sense to me. Like, <laughs> oh, the stadium is electric. That's a thing you hear people say. Uh, yeah, I think it means like, like how different, right? Like how different is it to go to a game at this place? How unique, uh, irregular or aberrant? I had I had to look it up because it seemed like a <laughs> silly. Maybe it's a Britishism that gets used and we don't really use. Yeah, maybe. So yeah, I mean, those are basically the kind of places that like I want to go to a game, more or less, right? It's like. Uh, I want to have as as different of an experience as the last game I went to. Um, how? But on that, how is the least eccentric place on this list? I think like Harrogate Town. Well, maybe like, they're, they're maybe they're like little ten thousand seater is just like all the ten thousand other ten thousand seaters. Okay, but what about Tottenham's? Uh, Mega. sixty thousand seater versus Arsenal's sixty thousand seater. Yeah, but those I are both I fives. I have right. That doesn't make any sense to me. That doesn't make mm. any sense to me. Um, that must you they must be giving them some uh, some eccentricity for the uh, fan experience or like fans because like I get Anfield for instance as a stadium is nothing special, right? Maybe the cop is. A little bit okay, but that was okay. But the oh no, was you it and a five? I, again, was again, it highly eccentric. Again, Michael and I went to a game there. I give no, even though they're my rival team, I give no shit, no, no grief 
to this for giving them a five for home support or five for soul or five for eccentricity. Like it was a cool, unique vibe there. Singing, you'll never walk alone, all that stuff. That was cool and different and everything was cracked up to be or whatever. So, um, but it's, it's not about the building is my point. It's about the fans or the history or something. So, um, yeah, I think you can you can get that one from from uh, structural components or the people. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I just thought the especially the fan support rankings here were like pretty bogus. And there's some of these that like, uh, you know, we've we've seen a lot of games from this team in the Premier League, and you would never say like, oh yeah, they have wild fans or they mm-hmm. have like wolves. Like, I mean, we've seen tons of Wolves games. We've seen Wolves be very successful, but, like, have you ever been like, oh. That place looks bonkers. That pl- yeah, that place really rocks. No. I mean, you never said that. What What strikes me with these rankings is that, like, most of the – it seems like there's way too many teams that are, like, getting really high scores, which, you know, we need more gradation here. There's, like, there's like a couple couple stadiums that are scoring low. But it yeah. seems like we're great. Inflation is is a concern. Is rampant. Is rampant. Yeah, definitely. rampant at Copa ninety. Um, any any categories that are missing here? Oh, categories that are missing. I think like uh, stadium uh, location or like external. Okay. Neighborhood. Yes. Okay. Love overall, it. you know, Colin We've likes a walk. This. Colin, oh God. T- tell me yeah. about the public transit. Exactly. Exactly. Tell me about this. Tell me about how far we walked from the train station to the game when we when Mike and I went to Ewood Park. A long way. It was a, a long, long way. way, and it was through like, like fields. I feel like it was. We it was did not take like a shortcut that was through the town was, center. It was not ideal. Yeah, uh, yeah. Totally agree with that, um, and that matters to me a lot. Um, I would say also the other thing would be price. Like yeah. Divide all these numbers by how much it cost me to go to a game there or whatever. All right. So I'm going to use this as an opportunity to talk about my little sojourn to Mexico City. Yeah. There's been a lot of talk on this podcast about, you know, stadiums and specifically a single stadium, the Azteca, and how good of a stadium it is or isn't. And, you know, as any good podcaster would do, I said, I need to see this for myself. And so I went down and I attended a, a local derby, uh, Cruz Azul versus Pumas, two Mexico City teams. Uh, unfortunately, this game was in between the CONCACAF Champions League games, and so I'm pretty sure both teams kind of played their uh, a lot of backups. Um, but but let me just you know walk through a couple key items. Transit, first of all, uh, this stadium is out there. Like Mexico City is a big, it's a big city, obviously. Uh, so out there is relative, but it is. Not on the main metro line. Uh, it is on kind of like a light rail line that you can you can take to get there, which is what my wife and I did. Uh, but it seems like a lot of people taking buses. A lot of buses, a lot of taxis. Um, when you get off the light rail, though, you are right at the stadium. You get off, you kind of walk like down a little ramp, and there's just vendors everywhere. A lot of food vendors, but mainly merch vendors. Just if you ever need merch, man, that is... That is the place I, to go. I do need some merch. Yeah. Well, then get your ass down to Estadio Azteca. You will be able to buy as much Pumas or Cruz Azul, Cruz Azul gear as you want. 
and I will say, I mean, I've always been, I think this podcast and especially super producer Cliff loves a little bit of Puma gear, but goddamn, just seeing like racks and racks and racks of Puma shit up close, like new shit, old shit, like their stuff is just so fucking fresh. It is just <laughs> undeniable. And Cruz Azul stuff, much less fresh. I will say that. Uh, they've got Joma kits, and Joma is not putting out great kits. Don't get Joma kits if you're a club manager. Um, anyway, this game, so Azteca, you know, I think at one point held over 100,000 people. Now I think capacity is like 90,000. Uh, there were not a lot of people at this game. And I was pretty shocked because, you know, two home, like two local teams, two yeah. big teams. Um, you know, if I had to guess, I would say there was like maybe 15,000 people there, probably less. Um, and I don't know, like, I think, you know, Club America plays in Azteca. I think they're definitely the, the biggest team in Mexico City, uh, is, is my feeling. So, like, maybe when they're playing, they really pack the stadium. But, like, this was Saturday night, two big teams, and it was, like, pretty pretty empty. Uh, so that was that was definitely a little bit of a shocker for me. We did see on Twitter there's a lot of people complaining about ticket prices. So to, to both of your points about how to grade a stadium, that's kind of a intangible that you need to factor in there. How was the game? Did you get food at the stadium? Did you get food outside the stadium? We got both. We got a delicious torta uh, outside the stadium. Uh, excellent, very reasonably priced. Uh, inside, we got a nice big bowl or like cup of fruit uh, with some tain, uh, which was excellent. I will say like the lasting impression of this game is just how many fucking vendors were in this stadium. <laughs> like there's no, there's no vendors, um, like in the, in the, uh, not turnstiles, but in like the, the outside Concourse. Of the stadium. Concourse yeah. yeah. So it's just all vendors in the stadium and those motherfuckers are hustling. Like they're just going, there was so many different kinds of things to eat and drink. Uh, the people sitting behind us kept asking the vendor who was selling candy for a cigar, which uh, <laughs> elicited a lot of chuckles from my wife and I. Uh, but yeah, lots of food. Um, gosh, what else? Oh, the stadium is steep. It is like so much steeper than any stadium I've ever been to. Interesting. Uh, and there's no handrails on the side. There's just like a few like kind of metal pillars that have clearly been like retrofitted in there probably because people were falling down um, <laughs> or maybe, I mean, it's a pretty old stadium. So maybe at one point there were uh, handrails, but now they're just, now they're just the, the metal pillars. Um, but yeah, it was really fucking steep. Um, but it was, it was a sweet stadium. I mean, it would be incredible to be there for a game where it was really, really packed. Or it's popping. Um, it was just, yeah, it was awesome. And just kind of being in a stadium like that, that has a lot of history was, was really, really sick. So, Stadium Soul out of five. Stadium Soul out of five. You know, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a five. I'm gonna give it a five. Home support. Home support. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give it three because there was there was some raucousness of the Cruz Azul fans. They were doing their part, uh, but it's it's hard to pack in ninety thousand people every weekend. Match day menu, out of five. Match day menu. Got to give it a five. Got to give it a five. Inside and outside, lots of I things mean, to eat. Got to be. I mean, if you're going to compare it to these English clubs at the end, it has to be a six. Like, 
There's no <laughs> for way. Food? I mean, well, for food. I will say like there's the no way the food. The inside movie. food did not look great. Uh, like I'm very happy we got food outside. The inside food right. looked very comparable to like the oh, really? stadium food. Okay. All right. Eccentricity. Eccentricity out of five. You know, it's so hard. It's always been hard for me to measure eccentricity. Was uh, it eccentric or was it round? That's I mean, the, yeah, eccentricity actually is a very measurable thing. It's probably yeah. just like the ratio of width to length or something. Yeah, yeah. but the pro- I didn't bring my gear, so oh, I'm just kind of doing the it surveyors, You left it in the the uh, hotel room. Yeah, I'd, I'd yeah. give it maybe a, a three or a four, depending on the mood. We'll right. give it four, which puts it at 17. Uh, so for those that think this is the greatest stadium in the world, Mike's got it, same as Portsmouth. So... <laughs> Um, no it was it was honestly it was it was a great experience i am a little bummed uh i think i i caught s tecker kind of on a down day uh which is a bummer (laughs) hey we we all have them we all have them we we all have them uh but yeah it was it was really cool that sounds awesome i do Mm -hmm. love a stadium even though like it seems like it's worse to have really steep stands because you don't get the feeling of like being packed in with people like it in some ways dilutes the atmosphere uh, of for you as an individual. It makes the the sound is so much better, obviously, because you're like a wall of fans and also you get just great sight lines. So I am, if we were creating a stadium on a video game or in real life, I would just crank that thing up that that slider all the way. Like how, what does OSHA let us do? Uh, We're doing the max. Yeah. I mean, so we were actually sitting, um, like kind of right behind the the camera booth, um, like two or three rows back. Uh, so great view. You know, we are somewhat high up, but like great view of the pitch. And bonus is that they are no replays. And so we were able to look into like the little camera screen and see the replays <laughs> after the goal. Your own uh, personal VAR. Yep, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, uh, you know, lovely stadium, lovely bit of history. Uh, we were also joking I mean, I guess all stadiums have a shitload of concrete, but uh, Cruz Azul is like a big concrete manufacturing company. And we were joking that like Azteca was just a big boondoggle to like make some Cruz Azul contracts. Because <laughs> yeah. that thing is just like 100% 1960s stadium concrete. It's it's lovely. That's uh, so yeah, I'm very that's, jealous you got to go. That's the stadium chat yeah. for this week, I think. Uh, Pedro, great stuff with the double email. Uh, we're all try to read a little bit closer, both me and you, and uh, we'll turn it back to Colin to continue to be the world's uh, greatest host. I'm the worst. Don't don't talk about me like that. Um, instead of going where the run order has us going, Mike, do you have some categories for us? Oh, some warm ups. Well, before I come with the categories, I have a question. Do you want a, a player related category or a club related category? I'll have the club-related category first, please, but then I'll have the player-related okay, category. you can get the player-related category next week. You know, oh, you wow. son of a bitch. Look, look, I mean... With all wanna, due you respect. Don't, you don't want to spoil your dinner. I'm the Hands behind the back. Host. All okay. due respect. With all due respect, you'll get what you like. Or you'll get what Sir. I'm going to give you and you're going to like Sir. it. Sir. He got all our right. ball. So, uh, as I was, you know, reading up on, on Cruz Azul and Pumas... Uh, you know, as, as one does, I'm on the Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. And I notice uh, that on one of their Wikipedia pages, maybe both, they note that they have never been relegated. 
And that leads to a Wikipedia page titled List of Unrelegated Association Football Clubs. Uh, and yeah. as, you can, as you can imagine, there's a lot of ways to define this. But the way that Wikipedia defines us, and I'll read it once, and I won't read it again, so listen up. <laughs> this You're is a list of trip. football clubs which have never been relegated from their current, current is in bold, national top league, and have played at least 10 seasons, 10 seasons also in bold, at this level. Okay. The year on the third column indicates when they began their uninterrupted run. So if a team, as Colin mentioned, uh, Everton Football Club, was relegated before the Premier League, but they're now in the Premier League, they are still counted in this category. And same with any other country that has had like a new league form. So this is a global list. We have clubs from all the continents except for Antarctica, as far as I can tell. Wow. Uh, All the MLS clubs, first of all. Well, they are are not here, so don't bother. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, uh, have at it. I'm so much happier that you're doing this than just listing Liga MX clubs because that would have been <laughs> yeah. really, really embarrassing for me. No, we will, we will not do that. Uh, Dan, you may begin. Everton Football Club. Good one. That's tough. Uh, Liverpool FC. Arsenal. Manchester United. I'm sensing a theme here. I'm pretty... Oh, God, do I... I think Chelsea has not been. Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Tottenham Hotspur. Okay. Uh, Anderlecht. Oof. No, Dan, I'm sorry. Wow. The Juniper League doesn't? Come on. That's just I thought I was safe Colin. because it was... Colin for the win? I gotta th- yeah, I'm trying to think of something that has like a new uh, league, right? So you have like that time bound. Um, I'll take Bayern Munich. And you are correct. Bayern Munich. 1965, they've been holding it down. Can we keep guessing even though I just lost? Yeah, I mean, we said going, Cruz Azul, so it was dumb not to say Cruz Azul. Yeah, that was uh, a mistake. Yeah, that was a mistake. Oh. I was going to say, I mean, the Portugal, like Porto and uh, uh, whatever the other Sporting Lisbon. Lisbon. Yep. But I don't know how long that Benfica. league has been around. Yep, 1934. Ooh, that, those clubs haven't been really as in 1934. That's what Wikipedia says. Wow. All three of them? Are there others in Portugal? Nope, just those three. Um, what about Madrid and Barcelona? Yep, Madrid, Barcelona, and I believe Bilbao. Ooh, uh, that would really? Ni- 1929, take that, Portugal. Yeah, I knew that was an old one, so I was like, I did not want to touch that. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. Um, let's see. I don't in like Germany, that. there's going to be some more in Germany? Yep. Don't tell us who. Don't tell us who. There are, let's see, one, two, three, four others in Germany. Four others. Now, keep in mind, this could be a team that, you know, just gained promotion 15 years ago and has been holding it down ever since. Sure. 
Oh, some, that's a funny little hits. loophole. I will say that Red Bull Leipzig. There, there are Americans played on three out of four of these teams. Red Bull Leipzig. Nope. Yeah, oh. I don't know if Leipzig's been up for ten years yet. Yeah, I don't I think they, they have. have. Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg, nineteen ninety-seven. The OG. Dortmund. Nope, not Dortmund. Damn it. <coughs> uh. Gladbach. Nope. Clubs with Americans. Good guesses. Uh, uh, it's going to guess Hanover, but I think they've gone down recently, and I don't think they have an American. <laughs> Both true, I believe. <laughs> uh, Bayer Leverkusen is the non-American featured okay. club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Hoffenheim and FC really? Augsburg. Hoffenheim since two thousand eight, and Augsburg since two thousand ten. Just squeaking out, or oh. two thousand eleven. Oh. Just that would be so there. hard, so hard to get. Uh, any other countries we want to we want to look at? I mean, well, let's do Italy and then and then quit this game. Uh, Italy, only one team. Mm. Milan, AC. Close. Inter. Inter. Juventus obviously went down. Were yeah. there any in Belgium, or is that uh, a lost? The only one in Belgium uh, listed here is. S B Zolt Word Word Gem. <laughs> so as Did I say to Por- that's what Portugal I meant. <laughs> as Portugal is to Colin, Belgium is to Mike. <laughs> Turns out. Yeah. Um, so the the teams on this list with the longest run, there's three from Northern Ireland. I'm just gonna tell you them because you probably don't know them. Yeah. Cliftonville FC. Glen Torren FC and Linfield FC, all from 1890. And wow. there's uh, Celtic from Scotland. Yeah. Now, controversial take here from the Wikipedia editors. Rangers FC also listed on here with a note that says, demoted to fourth they tier, but never relegated. Oh. I mean, very, yeah, because they were like financial, Wait. whatever. It was like financial penalty. Yeah, wouldn't Juventus be similar then? I think I think Rangers no, self demoted themselves. They were like, "We have no money. We can't be here right now. We're gotta drop down." Juve got oh, relegated a penalty. As a penalty. Yeah, yeah. Rangers wasn't an actual pen like an uh, imposed penalty from a third another. No, like, I think it was like they essentially like folded basically and then oh, formed like I don't know, banking machinations. But yeah. uh, who else in Mexico? Uh, all right, before I go to Mexico, because I've got this sorted by year, a few other oldies, but goodsies. Uh, two in Uruguay, Peñarol in 1900, and Club Nacional de Football, 1901. Scotland, uh, Aberdeen, 1905. Two in Paraguay, Club Olympia and Club Guarani, 1906, Boca Juniors, 1913. Yeah, I wish we were so good at this game that we started being like, we were so good that we were like Boca and um, National and National, yeah. yeah, and, and then like we're, we're uh, the, str- the strongest in Bolivia. <laughs> I'll take the strongest. <laughs> but I think the hard part, because you could name big clubs in most countries, but the hard part is like the league part of it. Like, oh, I'm worried that that league is from 1860, and like, who knows what it happened they in were 1907. Like in yeah, 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 and there's always like sneaky things like you know big clubs getting relegated, whatever. 
So because um, yeah. the the strongest would have been a good guess. That was a correct answer. Uh, oh, that would have been amazing had you said it. <laughs> what if I just said the strongest like in the middle of our Premier League section? <laughs> yeah. I was just like, yeah. let me just get the strongest take, real quick. Take it off the board. Uh, Mexico has Club America. I'll also take Guangzhou Evergrande. Uh, <laughs> Club America, Chivas, Toluca, Pumas, uh, Cruz Azul, Santos, and Club Tijuana. So they have a little contingent. Yeah. It's a little contingent. Um, all right. Well, you know, that was a great game. That was a good I would game. say the other game I prefer. So just get excited Ooh. for the things I'm on the podcast. For oh. A really special, a really special day. Those kids better go to sleep faster next week. <laughs> yeah, this will this will be good motivation for everyone. <laughs> yep, yeah, excellent. Colin Did you guys talk about not US, wanting to be the yeah, host right now? It's late for him. Oh uh, yeah, it's late. I just fell asleep there. Um, <laughs> all right, so now we're going to talk about the Premier League a little bit, but not very much. Uh, Everton and Leeds won this week. Um, Colin, do you think Everton's still going down? Yep, Everton are still going down. <laughs> Don't get any hope. So moving on from that section. Uh, oh. Mike, do you want to tell us about uh, El Clasico a little bit? I think you watched this week. I did. So, you know, normally I don't watch soccer, but uh, the wife was going down for her afternoon nap. Uh, and it was 3 o'clock. And I was like, what else am I going to do? I've still got mm-hmm. a bum Achilles. I'm trying to, you know, rest up. Maybe do a little PT. I guess I'll watch some soccer, do some PT, and then ice. And uh, I tuned in for a very entertaining match. Uh, Barcelona, if you haven't seen, won 4 nothing. Uh, Madrid was without Benzema. But um, Barcelona, I mean, Dan, I think you might have even enjoyed this Barcelona because there was a little Ooh. ticky-tacky, but there was a, lo- a lot of incision. They created, like, a shitload of chances. They could have easily won this game, like, 8 nothing. Um, wow. If not for some big misses and some big saves. And I will just say, uh, in terms of whose world this is, uh, I'm going to throw Aubameyang into the mix. Uh, he was just looking <laughs> excellent. Uh, I don't think he's going to be winning a lot of World Cups with Gabon. I don't even know if they're still in qualifying. Uh, but he just looked very, very good. I mean, he's always been a strong player. Uh, yeah. But he's been at Arsenal, who's a shit team. And now that he's maybe at a club that's that's on the, on the rise, on the comeback, uh, I feel like he's just going to bag a shit ton of goals for the next few years. Yeah, if it... It's it's one of those feelings where uh, I mean this is even more true when you're playing next to Messi, but uh, it feels like the center striker spot at Barcelona is always like if you can be pretty damn good, you can score a lot of goals. Yeah, um, there's mean, certainly quite a few players with a history of of having good runs there. Yeah, yeah. So I mean this this game was interesting. Like Barcelona is I think like 15 points off the pace. Madrid is definitely going to win the league. Yeah, uh, and yet, you know, with with Xavi in now as coach, like I think Barcelona's maybe lost once in three or four months, uh, and so it's just it's kind of ironic to me that Real Madrid just knocked out Messi at PSG, and then like a week or two later, his old team is now sort of reformed under his former player, uh, and just smash Madrid in Madrid. There's just there's a lot of narrative there to like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, tell us more about like. The action on the pitch, besides Aubameyang, was good. Uh, who was driving the ship for Barcelona? Like, I feel like last times I've watched them, it's been a bunch of guys. Like, there's a bunch. There's a young cadre of guys, and then there's like the transfers that didn't seem to work. Kind of cadre of mm-hmm. Coutinho and Dembele, and yeah. Um, 
I mean, Dembele was excellent. He had the first two assists, uh, one off a corner, one where he just skinned a guy and crossed it. Uh, so he may be on his way out, is what the commentator said this summer. I think his contract is over. Yeah. Um, but it also feels like maybe with the club doing well, they can convince him to say, who knows? Uh, and then Torres on the other side, uh, Fernand Torres, former Man City guy. Oh, yeah. He had one goal, should have had at least two. He also looks, I think, pretty good. But I, I mean, honestly, it was kind of a maybe not like a classic Barcelona performance, but it was it was you know just really kind of dominating play. Like their possession numbers weren't crazy, but it just felt like they were always in control of the game. And Busquets, who is getting he's getting up there, but he just looked like just a walk in the park, just really? kind of always where he needed to be, just knocking the ball around, just playing nice little like. Line splitting passes. Uh, when I, I was going to say the up, last couple, last couple times I've watched him, I felt like he was old, like yeah. he just looked old. I mean, I think like you could still see he got kind of run by a few times defensively, but like still knows where to be. Still, you know, has that Barcelona like receive the ball, turn, play the ball, and yeah. I think you know he's kind of he's got like Pedri on one side and De Jong on the other, who are like athletic enough to shield him. And yeah, he just he looked he looked good. That's cool. Pop quiz. How old <laughs> is cool. Busquets? Oh, he's going to be like 34, 35. I'll take the over on that. He's only 33. Wow. He must have Young broken guy. into that team when he was 20 yeah, and just yeah. played yeah. every game since yeah. then. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah. But 33 is not that old for a defensive midfielder. But, I mean, yeah. at the top, top club, maybe it is. Yeah. Or, he's but, a guy who ne- he never had a lot of pace anyway. So, like, right, yeah, right. you lose a step. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it's. I think this this game was interesting in the sense of like, is Barca on the ascendancy? Is Madrid on the downswing? Uh, Madrid's probably going to get Mbappe this year. What does that mean? Like, you know, Barca's got it's all these young guys. It's not even his world. We've talked. It's not about even this. his world, but it's maybe it will be world. eventually. I don't know. Yeah. It was just. It was interesting to me. Uh, it a is lot of, it a is, lot of good narrative. It, yeah, to me, the narrative there is like, uh, is this for real does this yeah. mean anything yeah I've or read, as you know i also uh on my trip uh another shout out to pedro i read soccer in sun and shadows which i've got a lot of a lot of thoughts on that i'll save for another Ooh. pod all right but uh a lot related to to this game and just general watching of soccer wow nice all right that is your el clasico breakdown uh, we'll break down the next El Clasico when it inevitably happens in like three weeks because they just <laughs> seem to always happen. Uh, all right. The U.S. Men's National Team roster is out. I'm not going to read every single player on here. Uh, just want to point out, uh, you know, maybe some notable omissions or like give a, a quick overview of it. Uh, at goalkeepers, we have the guys you'd think we would have, um, except no, no Matt Turner because he's hurt. Uh, defenders, I would say we generally have the guys you think we would have, except, uh, no Chris Richards, who is injured, uh, no John Brooks, who is not chosen, uh, which I maybe, maybe that you would expect John Brooks to not be chosen, but, um, and then in the midfield, uh, big injury to obviously Weston McKenney, um, and then Sebastian Legette not getting picked. And then lots of forwards in this camp. I mean, we play a four three three, so the, those guys are, are counted in here. The wing kind of wing players, um, and of that group, not here. Uh, maybe Zardes and Sargent are the only I would say notable omissions. 
Um, so that group to me looks much more full of the, the full roster. I forgot the fact when I said defenders that Serginho Dest is, is out injured as well. So, um, that's kind of who, who's there. I don't want to say it's a full roster, um, but it's as full as you can reasonably expect for a window, right? It's, I don't think we're in an injury crisis. Yeah. McKenney is one of our best players. Uh, we maybe don't have a like for like substitution for him, but you know, that's, that's the status quo. That's, that's what you normally have. Um, so Mike, given this pool of players, who do you want to see start against Mexico? So as a reminder, the games in this window go Mexico away at the Azteca home of Mike Samuelson, uh, 17 points out of 20. And then, uh, <laughs> Home, then we uh, the U.S. plays Panama at home. I don't know where that game is. In Florida somewhere? Orlando. Yeah. And then away to Costa Rica, which is going to be a tough one to finish. Uh, so with that in mind, who do you want to see start against Mexico, Mike? Okay, I'm going to turn the question back to you two for a second. Where do you think we are more likely to get points? In Mexico Absolute or disrespect. Absolute disrespect. Yeah, well, you're, you are the worst host, so I don't respect you. Fair enough. Uh, but uh, do, do you think we should be stacking our, our chips in Mexico or Costa Rica or both? I think uh, that you are a fool for not trying in Mexico. If you put out a, a soft lineup there, you will definitely not get any points. I think you can get points probably one uh and you gotta try you gotta try for every point one point might be all it might be everything right it might be the margin so i think giving away points and just being like oh no we'll just roll out christian rolled on and blah 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 and get walloped five zero is not a good idea it just puts too much pressure yeah it's just not a good strategy yeah, I agree. You've got to play your you need every point that you can find, so you have to play at 98% of possible, right? So like to me the question that I think you're really asking or the way that I would interpret it is when and where do does Gio Reyna get starts and when is he on the bench in case well, you need to bring him in cuz he's coming back from injury and he's one of our top guys. Everybody else, you know, Pulisic is going to start even though we've said he should be like, he's a great super sub. He doesn't have a choice anymore. He's got to start. We've got to win these games and Weston's out and whatever, like you got to have him on the pitch. So he's got to start. So to me, the question is Reyna, who's probably not fully match fit, a little bit scary. He, he tried to come back from his injury, like pulled he, up with a, he, he played 90 today, I think. So still a little yeah, scary, but, but you're <laughs> not going to play him. You're not going to play him 90, 90, 90. In right, three right, right. So I think, Gio's on the bench in Mexico because if your back is against the wall, you want to have him in your pocket mm-hmm. at Costa Rica. If it was the opposite way, then I, I mean, it's the third game for me. That's the important one. Not who keep, keep or your where. Powder dry. Ex- just a little bit. Just Gio. Just Everybody little, else, yeah. run them. Three games, okay. start them. Play hard. My, Gio's the only one for me. My, my other concern is, um, this is, might be kind of a weird one, but Tyler Adams, I was looking, he hasn't played 90 minutes in like like over a month. Uh, so he's fresh, playing. So he's fresh. I mean, I think you're going to play him anyway, if you need to. But anyway, Colin asks who, who to start. Uh, I'm going to start Johnson and goal, or uh, Johnson, I'm going to start Stefan and goal. 
Uh, I mean, the good news is it seemed for a while like none of our keepers were going to be healthy. Stefan is healthy. Horvath has been starting. So it seems like we've got a, a little bit of depth there. Uh, Stefan and goal. At center back, the only real options are Zimmerman and Robertson. But um, I'm okay with that. I'm comfortable with those two. I think it's okay. They've been fine. Yeah. They've been fine. They've been fine. Uh, but yeah, the other options, Long, he's been out for a while. He's like just getting back into MLS. Hasn't played at all for us recently. Eric Palmer Brown has two caps. We're not going to play him. Uh, I guess James Sands is another option. But I'd say Zimmerman. Throw him to the fire in the Azteca is absolutely yeah, like the the thing I was talking about. Like oh, just playing Christian Roldan. Like, yeah. No. Yeah. No. I mean, Sands, Sands, Sands back. did. He did start, uh, what, the Gold Cup final? Uh, or he started one of those big games. Anyway, we're, whatever. We're not starting him. Uh, and then my outside backs, you got to start Anthony Robinson. I mean, he's been he's been great. And then on the other side, it's you know Cannon or Yedlin, right? I, I guess I'm starting Yedlin. Uh, both of those options are like very mad to me, but it seems like Yedlin's got much more big ge- big game experience. I just trust him not to be scared. Also, I think he's the. I think, I mean, so for me here, to jump into your lineup, which I agree with, uh, I don't necessarily totally agree with Dan on the, like, just play all your best three guys every game. I think there can be a little rotation for the Panama home games in certain spots where you kind of have, like, three guys for two spots or four guys for three spots that you want to rotate out the guy who's, like, maybe Tyler Adams or a little injury prone or something like that. Maybe not Tyler Adams, but... Or maybe just fits the game a little better. Like Panama will see the ball and Mexico we won't. And I think right back is one of these situations. I think Yedlin is a we won't see the ball right back. And I think Cannon is a we have the ball right back. Mm-hmm. So I think, okay, that's, that's a perfect. Yedlin gets the two away games. Cannon gets the home game. Yeah. And, and I, mean, I think that's also fine. You, can like, you can push Robinson up and just have Yedlin kind of just stay home, be a yeah. speed merchant to cover in the back. Yeah. I think you well, can do some of that, that in the pushing too. I think, yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with that, but to me, that's not the same as playing like a, a second string or like saving right. anybody, right? That's right. like tactical rotation, uh, trying to plan for the game, but that doesn't mean you're playing a less than your best available, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's some of that in the midfield too, Mike, don't mean to step on your toes, but yeah, step on them, keep going, keep going, Mike, keep going. All right. I think our midfield, I'm very worried about this midfield. I mean, obviously no West. Uh, we've got Acosta, Adams, Busio, De La Torre, Musa, Rodan are our six midfielders. So Adams and Musa, I think, are pretty clearly a lock. Who's that third guy going to be? For me, it's De La Torre. I think he brings a little bit more uh, like ability to be active on both sides of the ball. I think like Acosta has proven to be like a little too slow. Uh, Roldan, just no good. Busio, way too slow. But, I mean, honestly, like, I just don't like the way this midfield's put together. And Colin's going to laugh at me because I've, I've criticized him for pushing for this before. But I would not hate if he's fully fit a Brendan Aronson starting in the center midfield. I just feel like, especially we're not going to have the ball, what does Brendan like to do? He just runs. He just runs all the time. And I'm, I would be okay with that. Uh, I see where you're going for there. Uh, I don't hate that idea. I think – and. I think Dan, as a good podcast host, asked me this question earlier when Acosta had a good game about whether I would start him over Tyler Adams at any point. 
And I said, no, but Acosta could see the lineup next to Tyler Adams. And I think this is the exact situation. At the time, I think I said, maybe in Azteca, it would, I would start Adams, Acosta, and McKenney. But, okay, no McKenney, Musa, fine. Uh, I would start in this game, Musa, Adams, Acosta. We got two destroyers, and Acosta is the dead ball guy. How, like, isn't that the yeah. most likely way we score in this game? Yeah, good point. So, and, our, and otherwise our service has been terrible. I'm so very worried about Acosta picking up a yellow card in like the eighth minute and then just being an issue the rest of the game. I mean, and you think Luca De La Torre is like, I don't, I mean, I just don't think De La Torre gives us enough defensively. I think we get just worked in midfield in that sense. And I think it's going to be, I totally agree with you that it's going to be a struggle for us in midfield, no matter what. So I think we're just kind of setting ourselves up there. I think this is the perfect game to, just a situation, just like I was saying with the right backs, Acosta's playing this game. He's definitely not starting in the home game against Panama, whether that's uh, De La Torre or Busio who gets in there, blah, blah, blah. You can think about maybe have differences of opinion. But to me, Busio and De La Torre are the, we have the ball guys. And then um, Acosta's the, we don't have the ball guy. All right. So you're, you're starting Acosta, Adams, Musa. Yeah. And is that what you're doing too, Dan? Uh, I I think that's probably the smart thing to do, but part of me would rather have somebody that could hold the ball a little bit, and I might also take De La Torre. Just there you go, Dan. Somebody that Good you boy. can... You know, Choose the smart can, way. What? You already, you already said it was the smart way, and then you... <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, but I don't want to give it to you because you said it was such a good podcasting question, the hosting, but really what you wanted to do was get to your great answer. <laughs> That's true. It Absolutely wasn't fact. about the question, so I'm trying I to take it away from I just threw you a little you. side compliment. Exactly. You tried to set it up and hide yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, either way, I think it's going to be rough and we're not going to see a lot of the ball and we're going to be bunkered in and... Maybe Acosta's set piece delivery is just what you need, and that's what does it more than I think I believe in his like defensive ability to really break stuff yeah. up. Like he's just going to end up sitting in. Yeah, uh, I mean he is a much better set piece taker than Aronson or Pulisic, who seem to be the guys who take it when he's not on the field. So I will definitely put that in his column for why he should start. All right, tell us who's starting up top, Mike. All right, up top. Uh, I mean, I got to go with Wea, my man. He's been our best attacking player. He's got to start. Uh, and He's then, also fresh, not playing a lot over in France. Not playing a lot. I think he got a, an early He's red card. He's got legs. Uh, which is just a very patriotic thing to do in your last game. Just take a red card in the 60th minute. Just call it a day. Um, so we'll take him on one side. Pulisic's been in great form, even though he never seems to play well for us. this is It's all going to click. Uh, we'll put him on the other side. And then in the middle, I'm, again, worried. I mean, Ferrer just had a hat trick in MLS, so that's good. But in a game where we're not going to see the ball, he's not your your hold-up guy. I mean, he can kind of link play, but I'm just I'm worried about pinging the ball to him and asking him to do something with it. So I, I guess for that reason, I go with Pifak, kind of a bigger body. But I, I'm just, again, not really confident in any of these guys uh, at center forward. Pepe is, like, not playing at all. Very fresh. Very, very fresh. But yeah, just no, nothing here is inspiring confidence. 
Wait, so you had... I've He's got, got Pulisic, Wea, and I guess Peebuck. I, I would also be fine with uh, with putting Wea as a center forward and just having him run the channels. Great ball movement, great one-on-one abilities, uh, and then whatever you can put Aronson, you can put Geo, you can put whoever you want as the other winger. Yikes! Yikes! It's a scary time out there, guys. Yeah, I think I'm starting Pulisic. Aronson because I love him, and uh, but Tim Way has a fine choice as well. Uh, and I'll start Pepe. I'll start Pepe. I think similar to my thing of uh, starting a cost. I think the way we score is on a dead ball. I think Pepe's the most likely to, to do that for us of the center forward options. Um, I think Pfock just like hasn't played enough with these guys recently and. You know, I just it's just too much of a, a reach for me. Uh, not crazy though, uh, but I think uh, I just think whoever tries to play that hold up striker is going to not do a good job. So I don't think that being like, oh, let's have Pfock do it. It's like they're they're going to be ineffective. We're not going to be able to play that way and like get a center striker to hold the ball up and then get possession that way. It's just not going to happen. So. I mean, given the total lack of confidence in any of these central striker options, yeah, play with would 10. you? I love it. If you had Zardis <laughs> or Sargent, would you start be starting one of them? Like, what is the what is the thought process here to not have those guys available? Yeah, I would consider uh, Sargent on this list. I mean, to I me, I was going to say the opposite. I think Zardis sets up because he'll run the channels. He like he he's a finisher. He finds little pockets in the. I mean, for all the stuff he doesn't do, like he kind of pops up and does the running, and yeah, yeah. I think yeah. either of those guys you can make an argument for. I think basically Pfock got chosen over both those guys because he's been in form uh, domestically, and Zardes has not, and Sargent's struggles are, uh, you know, well known um, on this podcast at least. So I think uh, I think that's why Pfock's been rewarded, but. Yeah, I think that both of those two are more dynamic outlets of possession for us. Um, if that's all you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think realistically, Pfock is a you know 75th, 80th minute sub. Either we have, you know, we have a lead, or we're trying to hold on to a draw, and he's just there to hold up the ball, or we're pushing for a goal, and he's you know a, a set piece specialist, but. I don't know. I just like, I'm just very, very nervous about how we're going to score goals. But at the same time, I also have a, a kind of theory that like this team is going to be a lot better in the, in the few games in qualifying when we actually don't have the majority of the ball. Um, and so going to Mexico where the pressure's on from a standpoint of, yeah, we need, we need points, but like the pressure's more on Mexico in the sense that they've lost to us a bunch of times recently and they're at home. And so we're going to be able to sit back and defend and counter. And we do have guys who can get up and down the field well, who are good in space. So I don't know. I feel like and this game you know, could Mike, set up well for us. If you look at the results, we're always pretty good on the road, too. So could be good for us. <laughs> what are you talking about? We're going to get annihilated. Yeah, This is a three-point window. Is that going to be enough for us? That's the only question. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you, Dan. Uh, I, I think, I mean, maybe this is a function of us being such a young team, too, and like my perception of that, which may or may not be in touch with the reality of, you know, how those players feel, which is the only thing that matters for this. But it, it just feels like uh, whether we, we come in with a vibe that, oh, the pressure's on them and we're young and we'll just like play how we want to play and if we get zero, that's fine, we'll be okay, we'll survive. Or if we come in with this mentality of like, ah, shit, we can't fuck this up because what if we don't go to the World Cup? And uh, I think that's it's a, you know... That's what man management is, or like managing the locker room. Uh, so it's maybe a question of how much faith you have in Greg Berhalter. Um, but I can see us playing either way, like depending on the, how the first five minutes goes of this game or ten minutes goes of this game. Like if we have some I'm looking at a picture of Musa next to the lineup on the little graphic, but like, you know, you can very like he is a player who sometimes you're just like, oh shit, he's running at people today and like He's able to get on if the ball. On, yeah, they're he's guys on. where like they can have a day. Yeah, if he's having a day and like it kind of brings the whole group with, you know, uh, versus like sometimes he kind of disappears. And if we can't get him the ball and he kind of disappears and we give up a goal in the 14th minute, like we're going to lose 5 now. Do, do you guys know um, the last time that Mexico beat us in Azteca, like the last – the year of the their last win against us in Azteca. Well, we don't play them very often in Azteca. Like we play True. them once every four years, pretty much. More or less. Uh, two thousand nine. So the last two that, qualifiers, yeah. we've drawn, and then in twenty twelve, we went there and won a friendly, uh, one nothing. So, I mean, yeah, Michael Orozco Fiscal scored the winning goal. A completely yeah. <laughs> irrelevant player. Sure. Not. I mean, it's not an indication of like now we're gonna win or they're due to beat us. But like, I'm just saying, you know, I think in some ways we have this this image of Azteca as this fortress, and maybe that's not as true as it used to be. And like teams have gone into Azteca this year and played very well against Mexico. I thought and I was either the same shirt as Dan, but or, I'm not. You know, unfortunately, the late. So. Yeah. Now like, that he's been there, he knows that it's it's just a bunch of concrete. And, and honestly, like. <laughs> You know, people talk about the small, the altitude. Like I was breathing, I was breathing fine. Yes, occasionally I would have to walk up a flight of stairs, and I would be a little short of breath. A little bit, yeah. But that is neither here nor there. That's about me. It's not about the the stadium or the atmosphere or the altitude. So, I don't know. I mean, why am I being positive? It doesn't make any sense. We've been doesn't before. What are you doing? But here I am. I mean, at the same time, I did say earlier, we could get a point out of this game. Like, that's why we have to play it that way. So, I, I agree with you. We could get a point out of this game. It's possible. It, it is, you know, I, it would give us, I don't know, 30% chance to get a point or something. Definitely less than 50%, but there's a chance. Um, all right. That, I think, is going to be just... Almost it for U.S. Men's National Team chat and this podcast. Is there anything else you want to express about Dan? Mike, you've already had your turn. About this this entire roster, this group going into this window. Like, what is your overall feeling about the vibe? We know Mike's vibe is positive. Is your vibe doom and gloom? Is it that we're going, that this is not going to work out? 
It's kind of, I mean, I think I agree, Colin, with what you said. This isn't, I mean, Dest is out, Weston's out, Turner's out. Did we talk about why we think Turner is out, by the way? Uh, it's like not. frostbitten toes from that game in Minnesota. Um, but I, I think I agree that it's not like an injury crisis that's out of the norm. So basically, I think I'm at realist. And I hate it when people say this kind of thing, but like if we can't get the four or five points we need out of this window, then we shouldn't qualify. Like it really just comes down to being like, okay, if this is our level, let's show where the level is. I'm not, I don't think I'm pessimistic. I don't think I'm optimistic. I'm just like, all right, let's, let's find four points then and let's qualify. And if we don't find them, then we didn't deserve it. We didn't set ourselves up. We had, you know, it's an it's an expanded thing. We've had 14 games. It used to be uh, 10, right? So we've got even more opportunities, the kind of wheat and chaff and whatever. And yeah. if we can't get through, then... We're the chaff. Like, then we're the chaff. We're just not good enough. Yeah. No, I, I agree with all that. But, like, do you think we're chaff? I think I've been... I think the last time we did this, I said uh, my brain was at about 80% confidence and my heart was at 66.6% confidence, and it's come down from there. I think both are at 50-50 right now. Yeah, I, I feel you. I'm not sure where my numbers are, but that's that's the same way I'm trending. Uh, I'm trending away from Mike. He's trending towards I mean, rainbows and sunshine and unicorns. I'm not confident we're going to win anything whatsoever yeah. i'm really praying that canada plays well i think they play costa rica and panama uh so we need them to just go out there and just keep doing what they're doing come on canada yeah bad at those fools yeah i mean i just didn't read the last question here on the the lineup because it says what about what makes you confident about this roster and i couldn't think of anything that would make <laughs> any sane person confident about this roster and what makes you nervous? Everything. So I thought that that was a kind of a throwaway question. Um, On the other hand, Pulisic's been playing well. I could see him like having a good window and just taking it and being like, oh, thank God, finally. Right? Like <laughs> It feels like he, yeah, he's got to have a couple good games. Right? Yeah. Like, come up with narratives. Yeah. Gio's, Gio's back for the first time in like six months. We have a goalie. Yeah. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. That's pretty much where we're at. A lot of players are very fresh. Yeah, that's <laughs> where that's, that's right. where we're at. All right, that's it. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, thank you, Mike and Dan. And we will s- talk to you next week when Mike brings us an even better categories. Players. Thanks, Thanks Cliff. Cliff. Thanks, Cliff. <laughs> Bye-bye.